welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. And you guys, thank you so much for joining us for another amazing episode. This episode will not disappoint. It was one of my favorite episodes. And before we get to the episode, I want to share with you that my book is coming out on May 8th. Yes, I'm going to not stop talking about it because it is literally the most important thing in my life right now because I know it is going to change your life and the way that you relate, speak, interact with other women. It's game changing. I hope, hope, hope that it adds as much value to your life as just even being able to write it and implement all of the different things and the structure and all of the tools that I've used in my life. It's truly how I have created the tribe that I have. And also it is what I relate all of my success back to is truly the tools and um, tips and ideas within this book. So go to lauriharder.com forward slash Amazon, or if you want to join me on the book tour, which I would love to see you, I'm going to Minneapolis, Toronto, Boston, New York, and Los Angeles. I hope that I get to hang out with you. I will be doing a one-hour talk with a one-hour Q&A and then pictures and connecting and meeting all of you right afterwards. So you can go to atribecalledbliss.com if you want to join me on the road, which you guys we're just going to have fun. Like literally it is going to be one of the most amazing evenings ever. Okay. So I hope to see you there. And my guest today is Kathy Heller. You guys, I got to be on her podcast, which is called Don't Keep Your Day Job. How awesome is that? Um, And she is amazing. I got to meet her in person as well at Oprah's Super Soul Sessions. And she is the the creator, like I said, and host of Don't Keep Your Day Job. She's growing one of the biggest, most engaged audiences in the podcast world. In just a few short months, Kathy's podcast has climbed high up on the iTunes charts. And she has an online course based on the demand of her fans. She's created an active Facebook community where listeners post about their career ambitions, support one another, and share challenges as they go through the process of building their businesses. And those who want the full step-by-step guide to reaching their goals, enroll for Kathy's course, which we are going to talk about today. And prior to her podcast, she was known for having crafted a career as a songwriter, licensing her music to film, TV, and advertising. Her songs have been featured in ads for McDonald's, Walmart, Kellogg's, and many other TV shows, films, and even a few theme songs. Her journey has been documented in magazines and newspapers like Variety, Billboard, and the LA Weekly. And you guys, her story is so incredible of really being 
uh, so insanely resourceful around her gifts. And that's what this podcast is all about is how can you create a life and create a purpose around the things that you love and you're good at. And it's not just about taking a look at what you currently have and what your resources are, but you will find her journey was such a creative look at everything. She gave me so many aha moments and ideas for launching my book, for getting this out there and for living even more in my purpose and how I can give back and help people. So you're going to love this conversation and let's get started. Kathy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm really excited to have you on because um, I got to chat with you quite a bit on your amazing podcast, Don't Keep Your Day Job, which has just an incredible audience, an incredible reach. Um, You're doing such amazing things in the world. And even just getting to chat with you for a few minutes before this, hearing what you're up to is just so powerful. So I'm excited to dive into this conversation. Well, it's, I can't tell you what it means to me coming from you because I feel like you're one of those creations and God looked at you and was like, I'm just going to add more sparkle to her. Like you're so, you're so special. And it's not just that you're wise. It's that you do it in a way where you're so humble and I don't get it. I literally look at you and I don't understand when I had you on the podcast, I was like, she is, she's like the girl who lives next door who you're like, Oh, you're my instant best friend. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how you've moved through this world and leveled up and leveled up so many times and stayed so graceful and so humble and so kind, but it just comes out of you. Like that would be, everybody knows that even when you like go to the grocery store, like people can tell that just from like talking to you for a minute, like that's what you're about. And it's, it's kind of magnificent. So thanks for being you, Lori. Seriously. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I have that recorded. <laughs> so I can I'm so glad. I can't See that's the thing. I can't believe that like you need to hear it because it's like doesn't she know that she's like this like ray of light? But you know, we all are humans and we all suffer and we all have our own stuff and I'm so glad I can remind you of that. Like, yes. Mm. Yes. Sure, you know it most of the time, but yes, it's there. It's there when you need it. Oh man, we all literally we all need it. Especially, I know that you are um you are writing a book and you're doing you're you're one of the people who are out there doing so many new things. And I think when we're all out there doing new things, I mean, we our sense of self is totally like kind of lost sometimes because you're like who am I what am I doing I I, this is so new I don't feel good like a lot of the times it doesn't feel awesome because we're always trying to do something new right so it's like yeah no we need to hear this all the time (laughs) no thank you for thank you for saying that because I mean I'm really transparent with my audience and my friends and if anyone ever says to me, how are you? I always respond and I say, that's like the hardest question to answer because I know that I'm supposed to just say, great, but it's life. So it's such a mixture of like parts of it are so amazing and fulfilling and parts of it are like, wow, there's that stuff again that comes up. So thank you for saying that. It makes me feel normal because it is, we're doing stuff and it's hard to put yourself out there and you want to make great things. And I think part of being someone who's productive means that you might have a little bit of like, something from childhood that drives you, which is this feeling of like never being enough. And so in mm-hmm. a way it makes you super productive. And in a way it's like, it's there and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's something that comes up. So I like knowing that I'm not alone and feeling like it's not always just, Oh yeah, it's all so smooth. I've just got it dialed in my whole life. Mm-hmm. is just like, just, you know, just clicking away. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I love that you share that too, because uh, I think it's so important that people who are doing the do and are out there really putting their themselves out there and have these, you know, from the outside, what looks like amazing businesses and amazing podcasts. It's like, I think a lot of people stop themselves. I know this was for me. Maybe this was for you as well. Um, I, w- I would stop myself doing certain things because it didn't feel good or wasn't going smooth. Or I was really like, wow, this nobody's talking about the fact that maybe you're not super happy, even though you're following your dreams sometimes, like some days it's like, why am I doing this? Why did I sign up for this? Right. I mean, I feel like if I look back on my childhood or even like a decade ago, I can honestly say, and I'm sure you feel this way, like, God, life is really magical. It is so much more fulfilling and happy than it was Mm -hmm. like 10 years ago or or 20, you know, when I was in my parents' house, which was like its own chaotic issues. But yeah, even when you have like a really great person that you get to like spend your life with and you have a a job that doesn't feel like work Mm -hmm. and you have a beautiful home, you have the house you wanted. Yeah. Guess what? You're still a human being, which means your mind still likes to you know, the mind wants to be stimulated. Mm -hmm. And so it looks for things that are interesting to chew on. And I just heard Deepak Chopra say that when they actually study it, 99% of your thoughts are like the same things. It's like, Mm -hmm. you just have these things to go back to. And (laughs) I think it's about being I think it's about catching ourselves and then being present and directing our attention. And so, you know, I'm such a I mean, I've been doing mindfulness and meditation for 10 years, and I'm still such a student of it, you know, really learning to try and do it. But when you do do that, you realize, look at that, the mind likes to suffer, but mm. I don't need to just because I think it doesn't mean it's true. It's just oh, a thought. It's so freeing. It's so freeing yes. to know that it's like, it's no, this thought. is just kind of like your natural programming, but you can always try to right. override it. Um, so that brings me to really, I want to just share all of the goodies that you put out into the world and just who you are. And I would love if you would share just a little bit of your backstory with us and kind of what um, the main thing that you're doing now is and how you got there. Yeah, totally. So I grew up, um, I grew up in South Florida. um, And I, I, I grew up thinking that there must be something better than this. My mom was like, so struggling with depression. My dad had all this anxiety. They had a really stressful marriage. They eventually broke up. My mom, she, she really fell apart. She was like suicidal. It was really sad. It was horrible. It was so hard to live in that and not know if she was going to be there when I came home from school, like if she was actually going to be there. Um, and it was horrible. It was really difficult. And at the same time, it's like, I know that everybody has their story. So it's not like, I feel like, Oh, I had it so bad. It's just that it was, we all, we've all like, every time you see somebody outside passing you on the street it's like everyone's been through a battle you don't even know about you know and um and so whatever my childhood had its stuff and it also was you know there were elements of good too you know and then when I got to college which was like amazing I barely graduated from high school I was just high school was such a hard time Mm -hmm. in my childhood my parents whatever when I got to college I I always loved doing music but I was like I gotta do something other than music because I'm desperate to find meaning I was on the search for like why are we even here on this planet is there anything Mm -hmm. so I started taking like classes in like Buddhism and Taoism and I just was like oh that sounds like maybe it'll give me an answer and I wound up switching my I wound up switching my major to world religions and I was like just like enjoying just 
just sort of reading about and immersing myself in like what other people think are the answers to why we're on the planet. There must be purpose, right? Where's purpose? I want purpose. Mm. And um, after college, I took a three week trip to Jerusalem and I wound up staying in Jerusalem for like almost three years. Um, and I like fell in love with God and the creator of the universe. And I, I found a way to understand what that meant and to have, to have a connection with that. And it felt like, oh my gosh, like there's something going on that it's not always something I can see or I can touch, but I just understood that w- the world, there was a rhyme and a reason and it felt good. It felt good mm-hmm. to put that all together finally. Mm-hmm. And then I've always, I've always loved music. So I moved out to LA and I was like, I'm doing it and going out to LA and I had some naivete about it. I was like, I'm going to go to LA. I'm going to get the record deal and I'm going to be a rock star because the only thing I thought that was possible if you wanted to be a songwriter is to sell records and sell out stadiums because that's all I'd ever seen. No one had ever shown me like four other ways of being a successful songwriter. So I was like, I'm going to go do that. And I came out to LA and I got an apartment and I looked on Craigslist and I got some random job and I started in my off hours to look for musicians to write with and producers to collaborate with and it took about two years and I eventually got a record deal at Interscope and I was in the room when they were recording paparazzi with Lady Gaga I was there I was like oh my god I was wearing my like true religion jeans and my like cool wedge shoes and I had my hair all done and I was like I'm here And a part of me felt like I wasn't quite in alignment with myself. But I was like, oh, shh. That part of me was like, just don't even say a word. Just, just, this is it. You'll you'll do it. This is going to be you. Um, And I was working on my record with Ron Fair, who was my producer at the time. And he was interesting and cool. And I was a little intimidated by him. And three months later, I got a call. He's like, can you pull over? I want to talk to you. And I was in my car. I pulled over. And he's like, so... Jimmy Iovine, we're going to drop you from the label because we've passed the songs around and the A&R team isn't quite sure that it's going to be like a smash success. And so I'm so sorry. He's like, I think you have talent, but it's not going to work out. And so when I got dropped from the, when I got dropped from the record label, I was like, that's crazy. That's like, I finally met the Wizard of Oz and he can't do anything for me. So uh. is there no, like, where will I go then? Like, cause I was at the top, like the tippity top. And then it's not like you can have this illusion, like, well, what if one day they met me, it would all work. It's like, no, no, I was there and mm-hmm. it was a rejection. So what do I do? So I thought, well, I'm going to go do something practical. I'm going to go find a practical job <laughs> and I'll do something different. And so I tried so hard, Lori, like I got a real estate license <laughs> and I worked at this commercial real estate firm um, in Brentwood. And I tried to like be cool and hang out with these guys and try to sell <laughs> buildings. And then I was like, this is crazy. And then I took a floral design class and an interior design class and I worked in an interior design firm I was like maybe I'll do something artistic but practical like as if that's practical I don't know that's what I thought (laughs) then after a while I was like no this just feels like it's not me it's very stressful it's actually very stressful in here so somebody said they needed an assistant in casting I was like oh I'll work in casting Mm -hmm. so I worked on the pilot for a show called The Ghost Whisperer with Jennifer Love Hewitt and I worked on that whole pilot and I was like, well, this is kind of interesting and it's kind of cool to be on the other side. Yeah, you get to tell people no. And then I was like, this is crazy town. Like, I can't believe what people are talking about. And they're talking about what this girl weighs and what color hair this one has. And oh, why is this important? Mm-hmm. I was sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. And so I, after that pilot was casted, I left that world. And I remember... I was driving and I was on like Highland and whatever. I was in LA. I was driving. I pulled over 
because I couldn't see because I was crying so hard. I couldn't see. I was like, I need to pull over. And I pulled over. And sometimes in our lives, we have these moments which are actually really blessings because you have a moment where you decide, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to have to do something different. And I'm going to have to actually acknowledge what's really going on. And so in that moment, I thought, I have to do music. I have to find some way to do it or else I can't breathe. I'm not being myself. And I thought, you know, if I'm resourceful, there's got to be some other way to use my talent, right? Like, it can't just be like you're either Beyonce or you're nothing. Mm. So it's always like that Rumi quote, which is like, what you seek is seeking you. It's Mm. so true. It's Mm. like, we got to like change our story because then we start to see other things popping in. If we say it's possible, I'll find it, you'll find it. A week later, I'm reading Billboard magazine. There's an article all about all these artists who are licensing their music to TV shows and ads, Old Navy, Target, and Grey's Anatomy. I'm like, I never thought about that. I never thought about just like making an entire career having my songs on television. Mm. And I thought, well, what if I put all my energy into that? And so I started to think about how could I do that? And I worked at it. And a year later, I was making like about $300,000 having my songs in all kinds of things from TV shows like Criminal Minds, Pretty Little Liars, The Office, Parks and Rec to ads like McDonald's, several McDonald's ads and Target and Walmart and KFC and Special K. And I was the girl. It started to work and it happened over and over. Year after year, I was able to do that and make a really good living. I was featured Full page stories were featured like me and a picture in like Variety, Billboard, LA Weekly, Kathy Heller. She's licensing her song. She's making amazing money. And then from there, I um, I started getting artists saying to me like, can you help me? And I thought, no, 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 no. I'm so, my identity is very fragile. You see, I'm an artist. I can't help you. I'm an artist. <laughs> and, um, and then God's like, I'm knocking loud. Can you hear me? And I'm like, wait a minute. Why is this a why is this a but? Can it be an and? And so I was like, maybe I'll also start an agency. So I opened an agency. And sure enough, my own music career like quadrupled. And I was able to help other artists. And I still got to be the artist. And I started writing more things and theme songs and singing the theme songs and getting to do like end titles to movies and trailers and so much fun. And then from there, um, somebody had me on their podcast. It was like a few years ago and I was talking about the music business and the way that I do music. And somebody who listened to the podcast called and she said, I don't live near you and I'd love to learn. Would you start an online course? Could you teach me? Could you teach people? And I was like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what online courses are. And so I I took a class on how to make an online class from Amy Porterfield, who I never had, had never heard of her or anybody. I'd never done anything like that. And um, I was pregnant with my third daughter and I was like, all right, well, I was again, naive. I was like, I'll just do this while I'm pregnant and I'll learn this and I'll put the class up. And sure enough, I did it. And my first webinar ever had never done a webinar before. I had a thousand people there live, which looking back, I'm like, how did I do that? That was good. Um, I I think it was because it's a very specific audience. I was like, I'm going to help you license your songs to TV and film and I was super enthusiastic and there was some social proof about my success. And anyway, I started a course and the course made seven figures in a year, um, which was great. And I helped, this is the coolest part. I helped so many songwriters 
get their songs. One guy came in with zero. He had never done anything. And he got $55,000 that year for a song of his in a Starbucks ad. Somebody else, um, $75,000 to do a Coors Light Spot. Somebody else had their song in one of their favorite TV shows. And we got about, I don't know, 30, 40 people that first year. They started to actually get a result, which was amazing. Um, and it was just, it was just cool. And from there, it leads me to my podcast because one of my students said, you know, Kathy, 85% of what you're saying would relate to anybody who has a, a passion project and it would relate to them helping them get out of their own way. And also strategically, like, how can they do this? Because I did all of this on my own, you know, without an agent, without all. And I teach people that. So I started a podcast. I was like, okay, let's see if we can talk to all kinds of creative people. And so on my podcast, we've had Bobby Brown, Jonathan Adler, uh, Mandy Moore, Emily Giffen, Lori Harder, uh, uh, Jenna Fisher, who played Pam on The Office. We've had all kinds of creative people and people who are also just gurus when it comes to mindset, because I think that that's like the biggest thing to have in your pocket. And the podcast, again, it was like a side hustle. I started it. And a year later, you know, you and I were both sort of like featured in this like new year, new you. And I couldn't believe it was like my show and then next it was Oprah. And I was like, this is crazy, you know, and we've, we've had this like great audience and it's been amazing to meet human beings who they want to contribute. They want to mm. feel more filled. And I love that they feel like I'm able to reach them and remind them that they can. And yeah, so I'm still doing all of those things and it's a lot. And um, it's also super fun and fulfilling and rewarding. And it's also it's also, there's a lot to sort of learn about yourself when you take all that on and you realize like where you get stuck and I'm just a person like everybody else. Um, but that's it. That's my whole story basically. Oh my God. Okay. I don't even know, like, can we, I'm just going to expand this to like four different interviews over the course of however long. Cause first of all, <laughs> I was like, Oh, I want to ask about Jerusalem. And then I was like, what? Oh, I want to ask about that. And now, so now I'm just like, I'm going to do this overarching question because there's so, I could listen to you literally all day long. Um, I love you. thank God you have a podcast. Okay. So, so through all of that, because, you know, listening to it, it's like, oh my God, you've had such massive success. But I kept on picking up um, through all of it that you were kind of like, this is not working. This does not feel right. I'm going to follow this. Okay, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another way. Like you were asking all of these questions and going back to something. So can you share what that something is, what that through line was that pulled you to keep on going and to really kind of like, um, you know, through process of elimination, yes, no, yes, no. What were you following? What were you doing? I think that um, when I went to Jerusalem, it was sort of like control alt delete. You know, it was like I got rid of some stuff that, like, I just it never served me. Like this idea that like everything's random, nothing means anything. Like I, the way that I was raised, there was just no. There was nothing to really hold on to, which I think is why my mom was so depressed. I think that the opposite of depression is purpose. Mm -hmm. I think if people know why they're here and that the fact that they're here matters tremendously, you would never be like, I don't want to be here, right? But when you're struggling to feel a sense of purpose or why does it even matter that I'm here, then yeah, it can. I can, I can see how it can feel that way. So I realized like there's this Japanese word, which is ikigai, 
And it's a great word. It's fun to say, but it's a great word because it's the thing that I kept going back to, which is I, I realized that every single person is a unique creation. Just like every snowflake is different. Every soul, every person comes with a different fingerprint. My daughter, her best friends are twins and their fingerprints are not the same. Mm. Why? Why? Why, why would we have that? What, for what evolutionary purpose would there be a need for that unless literally everyone is unique? Which means nobody ever was you, nobody ever will be you. There is something that only you can give to the world. And so people sometimes think, well, there's no room for me. There's already people writing music. There's already people hosting podcasts. There's already people blogging. There's already people with bakeries. Right, but not you. It's not yours. Your perspective will always be different. The way you see it will always be different. The way you offer it will always be different. And so I think I felt compelled to find the alignment with that, that I would, that Ikigai means that it's the intersection of three points. One, you're doing something you love. Two, it's something that you do that you're great at. And three, it's something that you do that the world goes, yeah, that's great. We love that. That, that adds to the world. And so I was like, I got to, I got to find that. I got to have that. It's, I, I have that unrelenting need to feel really like I'm doing something that offers something to the world. And when I was writing music, you know, I think one of the reasons my songs worked for TV shows and for ads is because my songs to this day, they're, they're about very inspirational things. I have a song called Let Your Colors Shine, which is about how everybody has something. And I have a song called Heart of a Hero, which is about overcoming and saying your truth. And so I think that that lends itself sometimes to TV shows and, and ads. I think that they have similar ideas that they want to express. But I, I needed to do that. And in my music, I felt like I could do that. And in my teaching, I feel like I can do that. In my podcast, I feel like I can do that. I'm always on the search for that. I want to, I think success without that meaning, that fulfillment, that's like, that's like the ultimate failing. Like if you have tons and tons of money and you've spent all this energy and effort to be successful and you don't feel purposeful, oh my goodness. Like that's a big letdown. Like if that's all there is, wow, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think having gone through what I went through as a kid, I had this need to quench that and I was not willing to just like go to work, come home, watch Law & Order, read People Magazine and go back to bed. Like I just couldn't exist like that mm. I could oh man okay so opposite of depression is purpose I mean that it's it's like I've always known that in my head but not in that perfect sentence that it was just like that is that is such truth for me I can tell you every time that I've haven't been clear on my purpose it's like we just start to feel this sinking feeling it's like this energy leaving our body so that is so incredibly powerful for so many people just to seek purpose and it's like yeah a lot of times I love how you shared your story because purpose isn't gonna be like this is your purpose it's like right no right. follow it find it reevaluate like try it again yeah. and that's really yeah. what I loved about what you were sharing is like it didn't you thought it was the one thing but you went back to the drawing board like no there has to be other outlets there has to be other yeah. ways that this is happening um so that's that right. brings me to you know you talked about number one being alignment and I know that you like to one of your biggest things is really um you know giving back in a way that you love and also helping people find 
their purpose. So you kind of have these four um, things that help people do that. And the number one, you talked about alignment, trying to find something that feels good for you staying within that. Because like when you tried to go in real estate, you're like, well, maybe this isn't it, but I tried it. So number one is alignment. You said number two is kind of finding your audience for what that thing is that you're interested in doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is huge. Um, I think that it's a very big shift for a lot of people. And I think it's so powerful. But I think that business, the heart of it, what what really makes any business work is radical empathy, Mm. radical empathy. Mm. So when you know the between a hobby and a business is that somebody's going to pay you, right? Someone's going to pay you for it. If it's a hobby, it doesn't matter if somebody pays you. You could be in your downstairs basement and you can paint all day long. You mm-hmm. can turn on the music and dance. You can bake. It's your it's your hobby. Do it as much as you want. It's great. As soon as it's a business, it's about someone else also. Mm-hmm. As soon as it's a business, somebody else turns around and says, wow. I love that pottery. I want it. I want to put it in my windowsill. Oh my gosh, that furniture, I want to have it. It makes me feel fabulous. I want to have it in my living room. It makes me feel like I come alive. Mm. So when we create things, I think that people struggle with this and they think to themselves, well, is that selling out if I make things thinking about other people? No, that's amazing and generous and it's going to make you really successful. So when I went from writing music and getting a record deal to thinking about how I could also find another way to be an artist, I was like, well, oh, so some people are writing music for film and TV. Well, what if I anticipated how to solve problems so that this person whose job it is all day long to find music for Pepsi or this person whose job it is all day long to find music for Grey's Anatomy what does he or she need? What's going to help them do their job? What are they looking for? What can I understand if I watch episodes? What stories are being told? What does it sound like production-wise? How can I understand that and take that with me to the studio, which would actually just be fun mm. and inspiring? And I still get to be the one cooking that dinner, but then I know that my guest is gluten-free, so I make the meal that he wants to eat. So finding your audience is really essential. We need to know what we're creating, but then we need to know who we're creating it for or else... We're just kind of like throwing things out in the world. And if you wonder why certain people's things take off, it's because they really spent the time and the energy to understand, okay, who is my secret Santa? Not just like, okay, is it a, is it a girl? It's like, no, it's this particular girl. And she's between the ages of 25 and 30. And she loves this music and she loves these colors. And okay, so now I'm creating that. And she's going to love her Secret Santa gift. That's the same thing to think about. Like if I'm creating something, I need to know my audience. So I need to know if they're going to like it Mm. ahead of time, right? And bring them into the process. The other thing that's important with finding your audience is understanding that if you don't want to go door to door and sell your t-shirts or sell your cupcakes or sell your songs, it's not just about the end user. It's not just about the person watching the Target ad and enjoying the song. It's not just about the person who's going to eventually eat the cupcake, Who is your audience in terms of like, who could you align yourself with who's an umbrella to your end user? For instance, let's say you want to make vegan cupcakes. So you could just start selling them to your friends and you could call your local church or the PTA and you could try to have a bake sale and all those things. You could also think about who is your target person? Who are you making these for? Who wants these? And where do they already go? Mm. 
oh, you know, there's these four local coffee shops that are really into creating things that are vegan and organic. Maybe I should walk in and see if this would add value to them. And maybe they want to sell it in the case next to the coffee that they sell. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And they already have your target person in mind as well. So finding your audience is how I started to reverse engineer and say, okay, if I want to have my song heard, where could that go? Oh, I read an article that people are doing this and having their songs and TV shows and ads. Okay, well, who would be the person that I can go to who's already creating that, who already has that audience? Oh, so here's what it's called. It's called a music supervisor or it's called a creative director at an ad agency. Okay, I'm going to start making lists and reaching out. And again, instead of asking, and this is my third piece, which goes into um, something else. But in terms of finding your audience, it is super helpful and clarifying and it, it gives you the edge for sure when you know who you're making something for, right? You're not mm. just like shooting in the dark. Mm. That's so powerful. I've had to do that so many times and it's funny how no matter how many times you do it or put your creativity out in the world or a product, it's like once in a while I'll forget and I just start creating and I'm like, why isn't this working? Or why doesn't this feel like people are as excited? And I'm like, did you, who are you really doing this for? Like get more clear on that. Um, you know, and that happened with my book a few times. So it's like, it's so important. It is so important. And and then I was able to write to them instead of just being like, I don't know, here's this idea. So I love, love, love that. It's, it's game changing, super game changing. Um, so then you had the next one, which I can see how it would absolutely go hand in hand with what you were just saying of outreach. Um, uh, how, how do we out, uh, have outreach, create outreach for the things that we want to do? Like, how do we talk to people, get people involved and excited? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that this is a really important one because I think that whenever people think about doing outreach, they feel like, Oh, they get all clammed up. It's like, Oh, I don't want to have to pitch something. I don't want to have to sell something. It feels so uncomfortable. I feel like I'm going to be a burden or a bother. Mm. So I totally get that. I agree. Like, I think if you go in with a mindset of I'm going to pitch something to somebody, you're right. People don't like that. Like <laughs> people love to buy. They love it. They love shopping. They love going to flea markets. They love going to um, their, their local sort of boutiques. Like people love to go and look at things and buy things. But we don't like being pitched to or sold on things. Like even if it's just ideas, we like to just, you know, have people listen to what we think. So when you approach it from the standpoint of I've already been thinking about you and I've already been trying to anticipate your needs and I've been working to develop some sense of like, I think I've already got what it is that you want, then it would sort of feel more like if you found you found somebody's wallet on the subway, you wouldn't feel weird about calling them and being like, hey, I found your wallet. They'd be like, thank you. Mm. Thank you so much. You know, it doesn't feel weird. I think that we approach things in a way where it's not very personable. It's not about listening. It's not about solving problems. It's about, oh, God, I have to remember what I'm supposed to say. I have a script. Nobody, no one's comfortable doing that. Mm. But when you turn it around and you make it about how can I, you know, not interrupt someone's day, but add to someone's day. I'll give you an example So when I first started this whole thing of like, I want to get my songs in TV and ads, that's great. So first I was working on creating them and working with producers and listening and observing and being inspired by ideas and storylines and doing the creating. And then once I had the stuff created, I was really excited to get it out there. And I thought, okay, so I got to reach out to these people. How hard can that be? You know, and you realize that people get emails all day long and they don't have extra time to just be like, Oh yeah, let me help you too. Like I have my job and then I have my dog and then I have my 
you know, friend's birthday after work. Like it's people have a life. So I thought to myself, I, I don't want to be someone who's asking for help or interrupting someone's day. I want to think like, what can I do? And so I used to send at first I was sending emails that were just super personable and I wouldn't try to give them like a whole like song and dance. This is me. I had a record deal. I'm really, I would just kind of ask them a question. Like, I love what you're doing. And I'm curious, like, what are you listening to in your car? Like what advice might you want to give? And I realized that's still an ask. I thought, you know what, what if I try something out of the box? So I made this really simple PDF and I'm not a graphics designer person at all, but I made this really simple PDF and it said mochas and music. And it was a picture of a little girl playing a guitar and a plus sign, and then a picture of a latte. And it said, step one, tell me your favorite Starbucks order. Step two, on a point, uh, tell me what day and time to drop it off. And step three, I'll leave you happy and caffeinated. So I sent that to like 60 or so people. And some people said, no thanks. And some people I didn't hear back from. And about 26 or so people said, sure, you could bring me coffee. And I was like, wow, it's amazing when you like offer somebody something that, that actually they might like, you know, as opposed to just like, hey, I'm going to bring you donuts. I, I thought like maybe they would like coffee. Anyway, I wound up going in and I wasn't like assuming that I would stay. I just kind of walked in like, here's the coffee. And a bunch of people said, why don't you sit down? And we talked a little bit and I would ask them about them. People want to feel heard, you know, and I truly was curious, like, why did you get into this? What do you love about music? And we would talk about their lives and their kids and vacations and divorces and fertility treatment. We would talk about everything. Mm. Um, and I wound up having 26 songs that year placed in 26 shows. And mm. I was like, wow, that's fascinating. And then about a year later, I was thinking, what else can I do? What else can I offer? Instead of just writing to someone saying like, hey, can I come by and meet you? Hey, you want to go to lunch? It's like people get that so often. So I decided, well, I think what people love is the sense of purpose and people want to feel valuable. And they are like these people were so, so insightful and smart. And when I would meet with them, I was thinking, God, other songwriters would love to hear their opinions or their two cents on what would make a song work or not work. So I decided I'm going to look up a theater and I'm going to see if there's any theater in L.A., any possible theater that I can rent. And I called a bunch of places and I found that in the daytime, these theaters were not being rented. So I was able to rent theaters for like 200 bucks wow. on like a Tuesday morning. Wow. Yeah. So I rent the theater like six weeks out and I decide I'm going to email a bunch of people who I hadn't been successful in hearing from. And instead of saying, Hey, can you listen to my music? I said, Hey, would you love to, would you like to come speak? I'd love to have you. Mm. And everyone said, yes. Wow. Everyone said yes. And I started to have these bi-monthly programs at this theater and a hundred songwriters would come and sure enough it wasn't just one person coming to speak there'd be like three at a time because there were so many people who said yes and they would leave feeling like wow Kathy she really heard me she made me feel like important and they are and the songwriters were hanging their every last word and I decided that the songwriter should pay to come because I was putting together these events and I realized that you can make a living from doing four things. You can be the maker, which is you're the songwriter. You can be a curator. You could be someone who just puts together events like this and you make money from that. Like, let's say I wasn't a songwriter, but I was just passionate about music and I didn't know how I could make a living. Well, one thing is you could, you know, be on the other side where you're choosing songs for TV or you could work at a record label, right? You can make money just curating events where people get to get up and perform or speakers come like this to help other artists. Like there's so many ways to make a living. So maker, 
curator. There's also the teacher, which I talked about, like I became a teacher also online teaching and doing in-person speaking. And then the investigator is the fourth way to make a living, which is like how I did that through my podcast. But the point is when it comes to outreach, we need to think about what do you have to offer? What value can you add? You know, just the other day, somebody said to me, Hey, I have a podcast and, um, it's about successful moms. I think you'd like it. Can you tweet about it? Can you mention it on your podcast? And I wrote her back and said, you know, what would have probably worked is if you said, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? And then, hey, do you want to tweet about it? I'd be like, sure. She was like, you're right. Well, I'd love to have you on. I'm like, great, let's do it. <laughs> but I think people forget that we go right to, I'm supposed to pitch, right? I'm supposed to tell somebody my whole resume, right? Or I'm supposed mm -hmm. to ask somebody for something before we've really found a way to develop trust and to create value for this person. And there probably are so many ways right now that who's ever listening, you might have something that you've done, whether it's you're creating amazing pottery or you're writing music or you're a fitness coach and you probably have stuff that you could offer to other people. And together you put your resources together, you could help each other. And then you have more alliances and more relationships. We just have to look at it from that way of like, who can we offer? what to mm. I think that's and then that I think that's how to do outreach successfully oh my it could not be more true and just spot on and I love the creativity that you just shared as well because well number one my wheels are totally spinning on how I can do some different outreach um <laughs> you know because right now I'm in the the heart of like getting a book out into the world so you really opened up a lot of different ideas for me um so that was amazing Yay. um and also just that's you know I've responded really well when people come to me about things like that because you feel um you know, you feel cared for. You feel like someone is actually legit interested where busy people are already super busy. Like, right. so to be like, That's yes, right. let me make some room for something I'm not sure about yet, you know, or I don't really see how this even pertains to me or adds value. So it's just not, it's not going to happen. So, um, thank you yeah. so much for sharing that. Um, and then oh, that great. moves into, I'm really interested in this one. Cause, um, you know, I feel like, I feel like also outreach kind of moves into content as well because you're asking some of the same questions. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Yeah, the fourth piece that I think is important is content. I feel like what happens is we have this thought like if I build it, they will come, right? That field of dreams quote. But that's, <laughs> that's not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. Like just because you have the most fantastic you know, set of, you, you're a floral designer and you have the best stuff and it's been validated. People have told you they liked it. You've worked with your target audience. You've made things and yes, it's great, but they're sitting on your dining room table. People are not going to just walk through the front door and be like, I want it. I want, we've got, so we've got to do outreach, right? And so that outreach is important. But the thing that we can also do while we're doing outbound work and we're doing outreach is we can do inbound stuff mm. and bring people to us. So we don't have to do only outreach. We can do both. The second thing is this, this inbound part is about creating content because if you start to already show up in people's world consistently and you have something to bring, it's a podcast, it's a blog, it's you showing up on Facebook Live, it's you showing up on Instagram, it's some worksheets or checklists that you're creating. Even if it's stuff that like you're like, wait, but I'm not a teacher. I don't know what I would put in a checklist. Okay, what about just sharing you, being authentic and sharing you and showing people like a day in the life or behind the scenes or how to whatever, just sort of sharing you. You don't have to be, this is where 
people get really stuck because they're like, I'm not an expert or I don't have a makeup artist in my living room. So I don't like the way I look if I go on camera. We don't need to be perfect. We don't need to be experts. People forget how people are so searching for authenticity more than anything. Mm -hmm. We all day long, we're all scrolling through Instagram. And what we see is people selectively showing us their lives. So it's leading to a lot of heartache for a lot of people because you look at somebody else's life and you go, just like we talked about in the beginning, well, look at Lori. Like she doesn't have this. She has like the perfect life. She is like, she looks perfect. She has the perfect marriage. She lives in the perfect house. She has the perfect job. So what about me? And this is what we see all day long. Like even our friends who aren't Lori Harder, our friends who are just like our soccer mom friends, they also look like they have the Lori Harder life. Like they, they make it look like that. And so you wind up thinking like, what's wrong with me? Like, I don't know if I have this movie marriage or this movie life every second. Mm. Um, I think what people want is you to just show up and be authentic. I think vulnerability is the most powerful tool anybody has. Mm. So I think people are smart. I think words from the heart speak to the heart. I can't think of I can't think of any other reason why my show worked other than that because I didn't have an email list when I started. I didn't have a famous last name. I didn't have anything. I didn't even have a person booking my guests. I, I didn't have anything. But what I was willing to do, even though it was uncomfortable, and being uncomfortable is part of life, and you gotta like choose which hard you have, right? You either have the hard, which is you're uncomfortable because you're out of your comfort zone and you're doing the stuff you know you need to do, or you're uncomfortable because you're staying in your comfort zone. But it is uncomfortable, and I was willing to be uncomfortable and tell the truth and talk about stuff. And I've talked about everything. Like, I just put it out there, and I, I, it's amazing how people turn around and they're like, God, that, that had me in tears. I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. just because I told the truth about my life, like my struggles with fertility or my parents' it stuff and how hard that was, or when I'm struggling with something in my marriage or whatever it is. And somebody's like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. So creating content is so awesome. And it works on multi-levels. Like if you are someone who knows something, and you don't have to be an expert, like let's remember that, let's say you are somebody who, you're like a yoga, a yoga teacher. And you think to yourself, who am I to start creating content? The people that I learn yoga from, they're amazing. I'm just a beginner. Okay, well, there are some people who would rather learn from you. Like, I don't know about you, but I've always wanted to play better piano. I don't think I want to learn from Billy Joel. Like, I think I'd be like, this is weird. I'm uncomfortable. Elton John and me, like, I want to learn from the person who's like, if I know A and she knows G, A through G, I kind of want to learn from her. You know, mm. if I'm at A and she's at Z, it's a little bit. I don't know if she's the right teacher for me in that moment. So wherever you are, there's something you have you can help somebody with. Mm -hmm. If you've been there, if you've gotten a result and you can show that you're enthusiastic and passionate, you can help people. So creating content, it's amazing. As long as you have an iPhone and a laptop, you don't have to be perfect. If you're consistent and you show up and you're authentic and you're vulnerable and you're just putting stuff out there, it's amazing how people will stick to you. They'll find you. You'll start with this nucleus. It'll grow and grow. And people will tell their friends and they'll tell their friends. 
Um, and for me, it was my podcast. I only recently even was like, oh, I think I need to have an Instagram account because I didn't even have one. I just started first with a podcast. Um, and the podcast sort of grew and that was cool and so fulfilling. But I think creating content is amazing because now, I don't know about you, but last time I checked, so many people I know who wrote amazing books, like Jen Sincero, who wrote You Are a Badass, who was just on my podcast last week, like she wrote a amazing book. She doesn't have a PhD, mm-hmm. but oh my God, is she getting somebody a result? Yes or no? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's all that matters. So what's amazing about content is that when you start creating content, people are like, oh, that that's that person who's, they're an expert in that. You're, you might not even be an expert, but you might be something who does know something about it and you're enthusiastic and you are willing to put yourself out there and it brings people to you. So you want to be doing outreach and you want to go outbound and find people who you can sort of, you know, strategize with together, how to be resourceful, help each other, share the same audience and then help each other. But you also want to just create content because people will be finding you at the same time. Um, and you won't believe what happens from that. It's mm. crazy. Life changing. Oh, I love all that. Okay. So we're creating content at this point. So a lot of people are saying, you know, let's say they have their stuff. And I just, I know that you hear this too. Um, this has actually been opposite of my struggle, but I hear this is as more of a theme of some people just, they, they stew on it and they go back to it and they have to perfect it and make it more perfect. And I'm like, you're actually kind of ruining it sometimes by doing that. You almost need to put yes. something out there so you can get the feedback, right? Yes. I look, we're all in we're all in beta for God's sake. <laughs> Nobody has it together. No one. You know what I'm saying? And what I love is like Gary Vaynerchuk for instance. If you look back at the first Gary V videos, it's like him sitting at a desk. He's wearing like a sweater vest and he's just like <laughs> Showing up with his like unbridled enthusiasm and he's adorable because he he's just going for it, right? Mm. And you cut to where he is today and he's got like his full-time video crew and everything's like dialed in. It's got amazing hip-hop tracks. It's awesome. <laughs> Fine. Well, guess what? It doesn't start that way. I love, I heard Ed Sheeran say that when you're creating things, when you're making things, it's like when you go to that you have a, your friend has a, a little um, vacation rental in Vermont and you go skiing there. You haven't, nobody's been there for like four months. So you go in, you're there for the weekend, you're going to go skiing and you turn on the faucet in the, um, in the kitchen and it comes out, the water comes out like, like brown, like mm. sludgy, gross. And you have to let it run and then it gets clearer and clearer and you're good. And you just sort of expect that because the pipes haven't been on for a few months. Mm. So it's the same thing with us. I, I, I don't understand why we're so hard on ourselves that we're like, oh, if I don't sit down at the piano and be Mozart today, why even bother? Well, <laughs> you're not going Mozart. Serena Williams, we, we, see the, we see the end. We don't see all those hours where she's out there and she's missing and she mm. keeps going. And Seth Godin was recently on my podcast and he said that he wrote a whole book on this. It's called The Dip. And he said, you have to anticipate the dip because there's going to be that moment where you're going to want to give up. And if you stay in it past that dip, that's where scarcity lies. That's where success lies because 99% of people are gone by then. Mm. So you and I, Lori, like what we, one of the things that we have in common, if I could be so bold, is like being willing to be a mess, 
not have it all together, have certain things that we're like, okay, I think this is good. But this other stuff, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's perfect. I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to do it anyway because if I feel like it's going to help one person or two people or four people, it's going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, there is a tribe of human beings that's waiting for you to take your seat at the table, stop apologizing for yourself, give yourself that permission and go because they're going to be better off because you put your stuff in the world. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to weed through that sludgy brown water. Everybody does. There's no shortcut around it. And you're going to tell mediocre stories and you're going to write mediocre things until they're going to get better and better. You have to be brave enough to face that mediocrity and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you stay in it, it will get better. And then the other part goes back to the first part, which is alignment. Like, you might get the feedback and realize I could keep doing this for days and days and days. It's not me. It's never going to work for every eight things in my life. That's worked. There were like 40 things that didn't. Mm -hmm. I got dropped from a label. I, at one point when I was doing that little quest to find another career, I, 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 I had a meeting with the Jim Henson company and I was, I was working with them on a pilot to, to do like a show for kids and we worked on it and we worked on it for a while and we went to every network and every kid's network said no. And it wasn't me. The door is not going to open if it's not my door. If it's not the work I'm supposed to do in this world, I can kick it as hard as I want. It's not going to open. So there is the doing, doing, doing and continue to do and it gets better. And then there's also really feeding off the feedback and knowing when to pivot. And that actually takes guts and courage to be able to say, okay, if this is a no, how else can I do it? Mm. What else can I do? Or, or is there something about it that I should change? Is the content itself, is the medium right, but maybe the content, is it needs to be shifted. Mm. Wow. Okay. So I'm ready to run through a wall. Um <laughs> so good oh my gosh you're just like breathing life into all of us okay um so this is basically kind of these four for lack of a better you did not use this I'll use this like the four pillars of kind of putting out purpose driven work into the world that potentially you could make an income off of really trying to look at what you know how you can be you and get paid for it and also enjoy the process um and i love that so you have something uh that's out or coming out around this correct yeah i created a a three-month immersion course um it's called the creative workroom um and it's at the creativeworkroom.com basically it's a it's a program where I'm helping people clarify their offer, figure out who their audience is, understand how to do their outreach, how to create their content, and really figure out how to do the thing they love and get paid for it by understanding where their zone of genius really lies and how to do it in a way that the world goes, yeah, I love that. Do it this way. Mm-hmm. That's how the doors are going to spring open. So yeah, I've been working on that. And um, I'm just trying to create as much as I can to help people. I don't want to see people unfulfilled. How many of those people do you talk to all the time? It's like, it's, we have a short ride, you know, and I want people to get to have the life that we're the only thing in our way. It's like, we all have these stories and it's like, it's not true just because you thought it or someone told it to you and you can make, you can make amazing. Look, look what you've done with your life, Lori. It's amazing. Look how many people 
are like feeling alive because you lived your story and then helped them change theirs. Like it's, it's amazing what's on the other side of deciding to make a change and, and actually taking the action, not just talking about it anymore, but doing something about it. And I think that you're absolutely right. I, you talked about this when you were on my show and you said putting yourself in like these groups where you have people who, you know, help remind you of, of really what is true. Like being in a mastermind, it's gold and having a mentor, having somebody who's already done it. Mm-hmm. And who can, you know, keep you accountable. That accountability is, and I mean, you have amazing programs. People should do your programs. But I'm creating one in addition for, you know, there's everybody has like their Baskin mm-hmm. Robbins flavor. And everyone's going to uh, want it in a slightly different way. There's enough room for everyone. There's enough. Mm-hmm. And you said this. I said to you, is there enough room? And you're like, oh, my God. When you get to this level, you realize there's so much room. Like, mm-hmm. There's room for a new podcaster. Like people say to me, you're going to help people if they want to create a podcast. I'm like, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm not threatened by that. Everyone should have their own podcast if they want to. There's plenty of people mm-hmm. who are going to connect with different people. And that's great. Mm, absolutely. And that's why, honestly, the more that I've connected in, with with women, with people, with and the more that I've shared their stuff and the more that I'm like, I really, and I know that you know this, where you come from that place of how can I help you? I mean, it is a boomerang. You have to have that abundant mindset or honestly what you're feeling, like you, if you feel lack, like, oh my God, that makes me nervous or that's not enough, that is what will be reflected in your life and you're feeling those emotions like firsthand. So the yeah. more abundant I believe that I am and the more abundant I believe the world is, that is what is reflected back to me at all times. So I love so much that you just shared that too. Um, okay, so the course is at one more time and I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, thecreativeworkroom.com. Okay, amazing. And it, that is like, it sounds so incredibly exciting. It's exactly my jam. Um, and then where can we find <laughs> you, follow you? And again, shout out to your podcast. Um, so you can find my podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts or anywhere else. It's called Don't Keep Your Day Job. And you can find me. Um, I just started posting regularly on Instagram at Kathy.Heller and I, I answer all my DMs. And um, if for some reason the class is full or enrollment is closed, but you heard about it on this podcast, then DM me and I will uh, I'll find a way to help because I love Lori so much <laughs> and I don't want to talk about something and you guys happen to be like, that sounds cool. It sounds like something I want to do. Um, I will, I'll make it work for you. So reach out to me. Oh, you're amazing. Thank you so much for that. And Kathy, I just want to say, um, number one, I thoroughly enjoyed and needed and loved this conversation today. So I'm always just so like blown away by how the universe works. And, um, so this was a gift for me today. And also thank you for just being you and for sharing that incredible journey. And it's so inspiring, uh, to really watch somebody just blazing their own personal trail of what it should look like and teaching how to do that. So, so grateful for you. And I always end on one last question. Are you ready? Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, so it's a really, you're, you're in an elevator. Yes. Cliche. You're in an elevator, 30 second (laughs) ride. It's a total stranger and they look over at you and they ask you, how can I make myself happy? What do you say? I say, know that you are enough. Mm. Know that no one is you. That's your superpower. Mm. And God doesn't make extras. 
So if you're here, there's a reason. And the two best days, one is the day you're born and the other is the reason you figure out why. Mm, That is so beautiful. You guys, if you loved this episode as much as I did, make sure you share it with a friend. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye.